One, the number of saves that David de Gea made, or shall I say, save. Two, the amount of goals that each of Salah, Darwin, and Gakpo scored. Three, three hundred thousand managers transferred out Salah before game week twenty-six. Four, the amount of trophies Man United thought they were competing for until Sunday. Five, the average rating of the Man United back four and David de Gea. Rounded up. Six. The amount of times that Bruno complained to the ref, divided by three. Seven. The amount of times Mark Goldbridge cried in one minute. Look, we made it to seven even faster than Liverpool did. I'm Jacob, and I'm Jayang, and this is the FPL Fortress. Well, after that riveting intro, let's get right into discussing Liverpool seven, Man United zero. I think it's safe to say that uh, Man United needed this humbling. Yeah, I think I think they coasted on on their Rashford purple patch for a little too long. Mm-hmm. They won the Carabao Cup, their first trophy in like six years or so. I think I think they need to realize that they're not at the level of the big boys just yet. Yeah, certainly so. Um, like you know, we 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 have sung their praises, uh, you know, nearly week in week out for the past. I don't know, a couple months. And I, I would say, you know, deserve, des- deservedly so. But, uh, you know, this, this is still Ten Hag's first season with United. And you see that, you know, like the, the this they'll have off days and this was one of them. And I don't think they don't they don't need a panic um, today. They actually won for one against uh, Real Betis. But, you know, it was it was a reality check. Yeah, and I think if anything, the scoreline was a bit exaggerated. Even if you know Liverpool were obviously better, I mean, yeah. I think they only put up about two point eight xG, which is, I mean, it's certainly quite a bit considering United only put up, I think, zero point eight. Right. But it's certainly not indicative of the type of thrashing that happened. Yeah. Well, whenever we get these crazy scorelines, the xG usually isn't actually that high for the team that pummels the other team. It's That's true. I think the only time I've seen an xG of five. Was when uh, City beat Watford eight uh, nil. Well, that's Which, its own thing. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember how much of a pummeling that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, typically, and this happened uh, this past weekend. The the dominating team just everything goes their way. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could almost say the same thing about that uh, Real Madrid Liverpool game a few weeks ago, couldn't you? Certainly, certainly. And uh, well, let's give credit where credit is due to to Liverpool. Um, I think we we have uh, we have the new look Liverpool front three. Uh, I'm going to call them the the SDGs. And no, I'm not talking about the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. I'm talking about I'm talking about Salah, Darwin, and Gakpo. They were quite something. I mean, you know, Mane, Salah, and Firmino were established at Liverpool for so long. Do you think that you're confident enough in this new front three to really invest in them? I feel confident in two of them. I feel confident in Salah, of course, uh, and I feel confident in Darwin. Uh, Salah, I-, I watched the full 90 minutes, and Salah was just untouchable. Like, you could not get the ball off of him. Well, Lissandra Martinez couldn't get the ball. I think there's a difference. Okay, 
fair enough. <laughs> that that picture is so funny of Lissandra just running away from Sala. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and and Darwin. I mean, I don't know. I people people have been calling him a flop, but if you like, literally numerically, he's been very good for Liverpool. No, I I mean certainly his underlying XG numbers have been excellent, but even his real real goals have been pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean he's been overshadowed by Holland Kane certainly, sure. but he's put together a decent season. Definitely, and I don't know he's he's extremely pacey, he's extremely strong, and he doesn't give up, and that's those are all really good things that you want to look for in a striker. So what does Gakpo have to do to earn your trust? Gakpo has to has to has to show more consistency uh, because I mean to be fair the whole the whole team was really flat against Crystal Palace a few weeks ago but Gakpo especially um, it just just seemed like he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't part of the cohesive unit of Liverpool um, and I don't know I I get the feeling that this match against Man United will propel him uh, into the future. Certainly one to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I think we've, Liverpool fans especially, have been waiting for him to break yeah. out ever since he arrived right after the World Cup. And yeah, I would agree that I'm not quite ready to get him in, but he could maybe down the stretch, if he's able to put together a few more games, be a big differential in our teams. Definitely. And I'm, very curious to see what happens when Diaz and, and Jota have like fully That's true. Back. That's true. So I mean they've both been injured for a while now. Yeah. And Jota has been making some cameos. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think you would have to argue that the established front three have done enough to really establish themselves. And even though, you know, Diaz last year and Jota in the past have been, you know, flirting with the starting job, it doesn't really seem to me like they're going to be able to get it back this year. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Uh, shall we move on to Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I don't even know what to say. You know, the whole the the whole debate about Arsenal is, you know, they have all these good, you know, attacking players. Saka, Martinelli, uh, Odegaard. And, you know, they have these good defenders too. Gabriel, Ben White, Zinchenko. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, it was Reese Nelson that made the difference. I mean, Reese Nelson? <laughs> don't don't hit on my boy Reese. He's, I mean, he's he's played, he's he's stepped onto the pitch in a total of three games this season. Um, and there was this one. There was one in which he didn't do much. And the other one was... When he scored two goals and one assist against our uh, against uh, uh, Forest, I think it was earlier in the season. So I don't know. He's he's been. I'm sure he's been putting in the work behind the behind the scenes. Uh, and you know, Arteta gives his youngsters chances, and uh, Nelson, I'm happy for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he certainly you know earned a lot of respect, a lot of credibility, I should say, yeah. with that goal. I mean, it was excellently taken. Oh, sure. Right, the death, and you know, just a objectively a great moment for mm-hmm. for the young lad. But it's it's confounding, isn't it, for for managers 
who probably had, you know, two of the midfielders. And if you didn't have Ben White, a defender that blanked. Yeah, you probably when you when you when you saw the uh, Bournemouth at home fixture for your for your Arsenal attackers, you probably were expecting at least twenty points combined for uh, I don't know two two out of three of them. But in the end, uh, I mean, the only they all yeah they all blanked, um, and and Ben White of all people, I think that was his first goal in ninety something games. Uh, and like as a professional or yeah yeah wow and to have that off the bench as well i mean i was fuming when i saw that he'd been benched but uh after that first half i think it's safe to say that uh, ben white will be retaining that starting berth yeah yeah no it's clear that he is the best right back at arsenal yes but i don't know it it does goes to show the lack of squad depth that arsenal have i would say and this you know hasn't really been a problem but maybe now you know as we approach the tail end of the season we're gonna see the effects of that more clearly yeah i mean they certainly have their their core squad members yes you know in attack it's saka odegaard martinelli trossard jesus coming back from injury yeah. you know parte jaka in the midfield they have a back four that's pretty much entrenched ramsdale and goal but beyond that they don't have any sort of players that are of any business competing for a title. Exactly. They don't they don't really have a quality, you know, substar for for each for each position. Yeah. yeah. And I I think if there's anything that's going to allow City to close the gap and and win their, you know, third Premier League in a row, I think it will be that depth. Yeah. But I have to say I am not worried about Arsenal um at this moment at least. I I do think, you know, it's uh, you know, in order to win the Premier League, uh, you know, sometimes you need those those moments that just go your way. Um, you know, something that comes to mind would be that company goal against Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, Arsenal had that uh, Jorginho goal against uh, Villa a couple weeks yeah. ago. Technically, a Martinez own goal. Technically, I should say. Technically. Um, and they had the, this Nelson winner, of course. So I don't know. Things seem to be going their way. Yeah, and I think from an FPL-wise, I'm not at all concerned oh, yeah. about their attackers and not even their defense either because I think that, you know, on the whole, they're a good team. And despite not having the bounces go their way this game, they you know, those assets are still quality. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the dilemma deliberations. So... Um, the big question, of course, is, uh, who are the players that we should be, uh, targeting over the next few game weeks? And, uh, this week specifically, we're going to talk about, of course, uh, the upcoming game week 27. So obviously the standout options come from, from Brighton and, uh, Brentford, but, uh, which ones? Yeah. I mean, I think any manager will be, you know, very interested in what's going on with Brighton because yeah. they have a lot of really interesting players. Their team as a whole is playing extremely well right now. You know, they just beat West Ham, who aren't even such an awful defensive team, 4-0. And, you know, there are just so many different directions you can go. So many potential differentials that could, you know, get you some points. So what do you think? I mean, I think we've identified about four players that you'd probably want to have three of. Definitely. Um, 
Well, let's start with the midfielders because those uh, are the most exciting options, I would say. So it is between Matoma, March, and McAllister, the triple M's. Um, and uh, I think it's it's probably only worth looking at statistics since McAllister has been playing the number 10 role after Lalana's injury. So uh, according to Big Man Bakar on, uh, on Twitter, uh, since that, Matoma has had two shots in the box compared to six from March and 11 from McAllister. And in terms of big chance involvements, uh, Matoma has one, March has seven, and McAllister has six. And in terms of non-pen XG, Matoma has 0.52, uh, March has 0.53, and McAllister has 0.68. And that's non-pen XGI. And remember that McAllister obviously is on pens. So, you know, numbers-wise, McAllister seems to be your guy. Yeah, and I think given that he probably has the the best role in the team that you could ask for. You know, not only is he on pens and I think sometimes set pieces as well. Although I think March is on some corners of free kicks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but I think just in terms of total involvement, McAllister is exactly what you're hoping for. Yeah. Um, and he has been popping up in the box. Uh so you know. I but I don't know. He's he's never really been that uh, that finisher, has he? No, but I think at the end of the day, you can only look at the not only, but I think certainly the most important thing to look at is the expected data because you know Premier League players, if they are getting the chances, getting the ball in dangerous positions in the box, more likely than not, that's gonna you know translate into goals more often than. You know, a guy who's only getting a few chances. That's exactly right. Um, another interesting thing, another interesting thing is, apparently Brighton like to uh, build up more on their left side with Matoma, um, and the beneficiaries of that is is the right hand side, um, where where March plays, um, and that I think lends itself to March perhaps having more opportunities to make more penetrative runs and receiving more balls higher up the pitch. So that yeah. is an argument for him. Yeah. I mean, I think when you think of Matoma, you want him to be able to, you know, improvise. And I think that seems to be where he's at his most dangerous. And when he's asked to, you know, build it up slowly, um, be calmer, be less, you know, incisive, perhaps is his game suffers a little bit, not in terms of his contribution to the team, but in terms of his, you know, opportunities to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. But like, I don't know. His his stats are kind of, I mean, his stats are by and like, like by far the worst out of, out of the, the trio. But, you know, there's, there's a, a certain fellow Asian footballer who has a history of uh, overperforming his, his XG consistently. Well, look what's happening to him this year. Yes, but I would argue that uh, Matoma is uh, shooting upwards while, while Sun is shooting downwards. Well, I think that's, that's certainly true. But at the same time, Matoma's only played 12 games in the Premier that's League. That's fair, yeah. And... I, I don't think that I'm ready to say that he's a historical overperformer. Okay, okay. And I mean, not not that he couldn't be, but I think 
it's more likely, or at least, you know, more likely than it is for Marcia McAllister that he just had a bit of good luck, perhaps. Sure. Mm, yeah. But also, he like, I mean, when you watch him, you can tell that he knows the right thing to do. No, I mean, he, more than any other Brighton asset, he passed the eye test. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. Yeah. But I think on some level, for a, such a small sample size, it, it seems more likely that it's just invariance. Okay. Yeah, I can accept that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we attempted to rank them last time, and I don't remember exactly what we came up with, but uh, let's try that again. Who, yeah, yeah g- give, me your, give me your top three, or your ordering of the three. Sure. I think this might come as a surprise to a lot of people, okay. given the results of Game Week 26. I, I would have Sully March Oof. In, my, in, my, in my top spot. I just think that in terms of his, not necessarily his role to the team, but his role in the Brighton attack, I think that he can be perhaps the beneficiary mm-hmm. of all of the good work Matoma and McAllister are doing. Hmm. But I mean, I would argue, you know, you could definitely imagine Solly March getting that space on the right-hand side far up the pitch going to the byline, sending it across to the back post for Matoma to, to tap in. You could, you could. But, I mean, March has been, you know, he's been good, you know, assisting. I think he is post-World Cup, like, 0.53 expected assists per 90. But he also is, you know, 0.4 expected goals per 90. Mm-hmm. Something in that, that area. So I think that, you know, he certainly could assist Matoma or McAllister, but he... He's also as much of a chance to score. Well, we say that Matoma doesn't have a history of uh, overperforming. Let, let's just say uh, March has a bit of a history of underperforming. If we look at his numbers, that's that's more fair. That's more fair. But I, I still think that looking at how this Brighton team is has been constructed and is flowing. And the you know the chances that are falling to each player, I think that's more useful mm. than our notions about how good they are at finishing. Okay, okay, I can take that. Me, I. It is such a toss-up. I would say. I I would put March last actually, because. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. I I do factor in that historical underperformance, um, and you know I I want to own football players who I think will make the right decision nine times out of ten, and like who I feel comfortable watching, knowing that they know what to do. Um, and I think Matoma and McAllister outdo March in that regard. Um, as for between the two of them, I would i don't know it's it's okay i'm not going to give a definitive answer i'm going to say it's a head versus heart thing head is McAllister, heart is matoma and like i don't think you can go wrong but you know if i think most most managers will know that you know whether or not they lean head or heart on in in the way they play the game yeah yeah and i i mean it's it's certainly true that nobody knows what's going to happen 
Mm. You know, we can throw all of the, the stats and the data and highlight clips. But, you know, at the end of the day, a game, or I guess in Brighton's case, two games will be played. Some players will score. Yeah. Some players will not. And there will be a lot of luck involved. And I mean, the fact that you have March 1st and I have March 3rd just speaks volumes about how tight it is. Yeah, absolutely. Should uh, we move on to, to Brentford now? Yes, let's do that. Um, if you don't have Tony, you kind of have to get him, right? I mean, yeah, I think maybe we will discuss him in the captaincy section. Yes. But he's probably the most dangerous asset in the in the game right now, given the fact that he's going to play five games in uh, in three game weeks. Hmm. Or, I mean, him or the Brighton boys. Yeah. Well, or Brighton no, only played four. That's right. That's right, actually. So. Yeah. Um. So let's let's save the Tony talk. Um, sure. I I honestly would not touch anyone else from their midfielder attack. I think that's fair. Um, Mbumo, who I recently uh found out his name is not pronounced Mbuemo. I apologize, <laughs> Brian. But yeah, I, I think he's really. If there was another viable option, it would be him. Yeah. But I think I'd rather just roll the dice on a clean sheet. Right. Right. Although, although there is a huge difference between Brentford at home and Brentford away. I was looking at this um, last week, and um, it's. I mean, Brentford are just a different side at home. It's. Um, I mean, yeah, they're they're like you know similar to Liverpool. They really know how to utilize their. Um, stadium to their advantage um, and both of Brentford's games in uh, double game week 27 are away so that could be something that well they're away but they're also away to Everton and Southampton this is and, true you know whatever you want to say about the home atmospheres at Brentford versus Everton or Southampton Brentford are objectively a better team than both of sure. them sure. and I, I, I think for that reason I would feel at least somewhat confident in in owning uh, Raya, the goalkeeper and a defender. Mm. Okay. Um, in terms of which defender, what's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it really is a toss-up. We saw Ethan Pinnock get a goal uh, last weekend, but, I mean, there's really no reason that he'd be favored to do it again over Ben Mee or Rico Henry. Yeah. Um, if you want to, you know, do some research into that, you'd be welcome to. But I think at the end of the day, that really is a toss-up. Yeah, I mean, that is variance. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, th- I think Pinnock is the cheapest Yeah, at 4.4. So if you're really tight on cash, perhaps he's the best move. Yeah. All right. For our second dilemma deliber- deliberation, excuse me, I think uh, let's go back to Brighton for a second. Um, Robert Sanchez, of course, surprisingly getting dropped Uh by Deserbi, and I think we can safely call it dropped because he came out with comments uh, after the lineup was released saying that uh, something along the lines of right now, uh, Jason, Jason Steele is, what was it, like more more of my style, something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it doesn't seem like, you know, Sanchez just had a small injury. Yeah. Or, he was on the bench. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it leaves a bit of a, a bit of a question for a lot of managers, especially those who wildcarded him in. Um, 
what do you what do you do? And I think the answer, especially if you have another goalie, I mean, if you don't have any other goalie, you have to just take a hit now. I think. Mm-hmm. But if you if you do have a goalie, I think it really depends on your bench boost. Yeah, if you're if you're boosting in twenty seven, I don't think you can take the risk because I do think Steele is going to start at least the next one. Yeah. Um. So I would sell for if you don't have cash, then um straight to Ward would work. Um. Actually, no. Well, longer term Ward would work because he has quite nice fixtures. But this week he's playing Chelsea at home. Um. You could of course go to Steele. Um. But. But if if steel gets dropped, then like if, if um Brighton want to go back to Sanchez, then there's always that risk. Yeah, especially imagine uh, Steele plays the first game against uh, in the double game week, plays horrifically. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be awful. Didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, other other great option. Kepa's a great option, I think. Yeah, yeah. So cheap, and Chelsea look pretty good defensively. Uh, yeah, that as we will is... talk about later. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, Raya, if you don't own him, it's a great shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, if if you're boosting in 29, uh, I would wait and see. Yeah, and I, I think there is an international break before that. Yes, there is. Yes, so that I would hope, you know, going out of that international break, you would get a decent amount of clarity on what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. All right, and for our last dilemma deliberation, uh, Chelsea. Chelsea finally, finally getting some wins. I haven't experienced that in a very long time. Um, yeah, are they back on the menu? I mean, I think I'm always going to be hesitant because, you know, we, we've seen teams that have had a great couple of performances and then really just dropped off. Yeah. I think that... You know, I, I'm not necessarily expecting Chelsea to drop off, but I think it's it's certainly as likely, if not more likely, that Chelsea, you know, don't keep up their recent defensive record than they do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just a few weeks ago, we were all calling Chelsea finished, and now, I don't know, I, I it's definitely too quick a turnaround for us to... Yeah, I mean, it's I think that turnaround certainly becomes more probable given that you know it's it's a possibility that all these new signings are just settling in yeah grand potter is you know tinkered with a bunch of lineups and found the right one right mm, yeah i mean if if you were to go anywhere near them it would be the defense wouldn't it yeah, yeah. i mean there are probably two options that are you know the best just the fullbacks chilling reese mm-hmm but at the same time, I wouldn't recommend either of them. Reese, I mean, Reese is too injury prone. Yeah, I'm not sure Actually, what his his match fitness is like. It's such an issue. He's so talented. He, he is. I mean, he's certainly more talented than Trent. Really, any other right back in England. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say Trent has better crosses and better. Depth well, I mean, there's ball. there's different ways to define talent. Okay, Trent That's... maybe can do more with the ball. But I, th- I think there's more to talent than just putting crosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're so right. Um, and and Chile, of course, he has started the four out of the last five. Um, and obviously, this is off the back of a really long term ACL injury. So yeah, it's it's gonna be rotation. 
I think so. I think so. Further up the pitch, anyone the pitch. you have your eyes on? Joao Felix, Havertz, perhaps? Havertz, you, you never know what version of Havertz you're going to get because he was cooking against Dortmund. But, you know, then he'll drop a stinker um, and everyone on Twitter will be calling for his head. Uh, that one goes with him. It is. Uh, Joao Felix, did you, say, did you see that interview? I don't think so, no. The, the reporter asked him how his name is supposed to be pronounced. Um, and, and he was like, yeah, everybody calls me Felix, but it's actually <laughs> Joao Felix. But I don't really care. So it's all good. It's all good. How's his performance? Is that all good? His performances have been good. Have been good. I don't think they've been all good because he hasn't been scoring. But um, like you can tell, he's he's got bucket loads of talent. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, realistically, given that there are just so many good midfield options, I mean, I think everyone is struggling to find, yeah. you know, five, to settle on five, really. I mean, I think if people had space for 10, they'd probably have 10 they want. Oh, so sure. is, is there really a case for Felix to be, you know, included in your team over one of, you know, the five best midfielders in the game? Well, Felix is a forward. Oh. That's, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, Jacob. <laughs> forgot about that. Yes. Um, I mean, the same, the same argument can be said yes. for forwards. Yes. Yes. A, lot of good, a lot of good ones on them. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to captaincy. Uh, I think, well, it 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 will be between Tony and uh, a Brighton midfielder, won't it? I think it has to be. I mean, you know, the two best double game week fixtures. Yeah. You know, um, Brent, Brent, excuse me, Brentford have Everton, Southampton away. Yeah, Brighton have uh, Lee's away in Palace home, and you know, I given you know both their f- teams' forms and those fixtures, certainly the obvious bets. Yeah, give me the lowdown on uh, the defensive statistics of uh, Tony's opponents. Yeah, I mean, you know, put simply, it's just not very good. <laughs> Everton have one point six four xG conceded per game, which Oof. I believe is eighteenth in the league. I think it's been a bit better than that with Sean Dyche, I should say. But not that much. It's still I mean, it's, the same players. It's not yeah. a miracle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Southampton are a little bit better. I think 1.33 xG against, and which is tenth. But if you look at like, if you look at the table, it's very clear that you know they're the good defensive teams and the bad defensive teams. Yeah. And Southampton, they're you know on the cusp, but they're still solidly in the bad defensive team category. Sure. Sure. And uh, in the eight games since the restart, he's had five goals and one assist. Uh, and that matches pretty well with his expected data, which is 5.2 XG and 1.0 XA. Um, so, I mean, he's he's one of those players where, like, even if Brentford are playing really badly, he can just pop up with a goal. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, we had that discussion about how Tony, or excuse me, how Brentford struggle away from home mm-hmm. and how they really feed off the crowd's energy at home. Yeah. But I think, you know, Tony and his play style, mm. perhaps it complements him better oh. away from home. I mean, looking at the data, you know, he is non non-penalty expected goals per 90, 0.33 at home, 0.55 away. Mm. Um shots per 90, 2.94 at home, 3.11 away. 
Shots in the box per 90, 2.02 at home versus 2.61 away. Um, big chances per 90, uh, 1.01, including four pens at home versus 1.40, which is only one pen away. And, you know, I think there's probably you – pro- you can't definitively say that he's better away than at home. Yeah. But certainly there has to be something there that's compensating for the fact that the, the lack of crowd energy, I should say. It's really interesting phenomenon. I don't notice that. Ooh, yeah. Um, and like the stats you read off, you know, ov- there isn't that much difference um, between home and away for it to be definitive by any means. Sure. But... but I think it's definitive that he's not disadvantaged by playing. Sure, away. sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although what I will say is like on counterattacks, Tony seems to be like the last player arriving in the attack. You know, there's always... Uh, Mbomo, Vissa, other players who who run ahead of him in the counterattack, and Tony. Well, sometimes I would say that leaves him in the perfect position for cutback. For that, that's true. That is true, but you know he doesn't always have to be at the forefront of the charge to be in the best position. I suppose pulling the strings is more than good enough as well. There's been a bit of talk about how Tony's been a bit buoyed by his penalty totals. I think it was uh-huh. 15 goals, five have been pens. Uh-huh. And it's certainly good to be on pens. Yeah. But on some level, you also want, especially if you're, you know, captaining a player, you want him to be, you know, very solid in yeah. open play. And he is. Is there a concern there? No, he is. He is very solid in open play, right? I mean, I, I would think so. Yeah. But, yeah. It, you know, 10 goals versus 15 goals, a different yeah. player. I guess so. Uh, okay, well, let's compare that to uh, the Brighton midfielders. Um, well, uh, like, yeah, like, ultimately, it is up to you who you think the best one is. And, um, you know, whoever you think is the best one, that's the player you're going to be comparing to Tony. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I don't think that any of them stand up. Okay. I think that just, you know, goals are king in FPL. Mm-hmm. And I think that Tony has so many more avenues to goals than any of these other players. Yeah. Um. And I, I just, if I'm betting on a captain, that's who I want to bet on. Yeah. Interestingly, I don't know. Um, you know, Brighton are a more free-scoring team than Brentford. You can definitely say that. Um, but with that being said, the goals are more evenly distributed across other players. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. It's a matter of weighing that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony really is, you know, the talisman for for Brentford. Yeah. Um, He's really the, certainly the best player on the team. And I, I think without him, they'd really be, be struggling this year. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that um, we both back Tony more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if, you know, anyone out there falls in love with one of these bright midfielders, you know, unconditionally, <laughs> I think... There's arguments that could be made sure. for any of them, but I just can't see them. Yeah. Um, I, I will make another argument for, for Brighton in favor of Brighton. They play Leeds and Palace, and I, I was just, just, just looking, just curious, and I happen to notice that since November 5th, Leeds have won one game out of 13 played, and uh, Palace's last win was 10 games ago. So... I mean, I saw that and I almost couldn't believe believe my eyes because that I mean that's just atrocious. 
yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that these teams are in the relegation relegation battle. Well, and Palace are twelfth. I mean, they're only five points clear. Okay, yeah, that says something about the Prem this year, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's been a strange Prem season, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also. I also want to share a quote uh, from Declan Rice after they lost or no to, to Brighton. All right. Rice, Rice said uh, on Brighton, they have a unique way of playing and we didn't work it out. To be out there was demoralizing. To try and defend, seeing them keep the ball. I got a yellow card, could have got another one. I never want to feel like that on a football pitch. Wow. That's is... <laughs> pretty powerful. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, I mean, Brighton, they do things their own way. Yeah. And it usually works. So, I mean, there's certainly, you know, a concern that they'll get figured out, but I don't think that time is coming anytime soon. No. And uh, Palace and Leeds won't be the teams to do it. Yeah, that's that's a great point. So that brings us uh, to the end of the latest episode of the FPL Fortress. We hope you enjoyed our riveting discussion on the pitfalls of Man United, the brilliance of Liverpool, yeah. and of course, you know, the, the best differentials that you'll need to conquer this double game week. Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat. Um, also, oh, I thought of one more point for uh, for Captain Z. All right, sure. Um, like, 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 sure. Um, it's probably going to be Tony or a Brighton player, but it's it's important to note or interesting to note the great single uh, single game week fixtures that um, the big hitters have. Kane has Forest at home, Salah's Bournemouth away, uh, Arsenal have Fulham away, and uh, United have Southampton at home. So, like realistically, you're not going to captain any one of those players, but don't be surprised if they go big and outscore. Well, I mean, I think I I I think one of you know, Saka, Kane, Holland, maybe. Yeah. So will likely do better than Tony or McAllister or March. Right. But which right. one? That's the question. Exactly. No, exactly. That's why it's so tough. Yeah. That's why this game is fun to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, remember earlier in the season, we were talking about how there just weren't enough dilemmas in the game anymore. I think we've certainly got our, got our fill now. I think so, too. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening and uh, wishing everyone a healthy green arrow.